0: Journeys to God Knows Where. The title of this morning's message is How Quickly We Forget. Because, well, let let me just put it this way. I am known, I am notorious in our family for being sent to the store to get milk and coming back with batteries. Anybody else like that? I mean, all I had to do was get milk and I drive to the store and I get my little basket and I walk down the aisle and I can't remember what in the world I went there to get. But then I see some batteries and I think, well, I know we need those, throw them in. That's just the way it is. Not because I value batteries over milk. In fact, I'd rather drink milk than batteries, to tell you the truth, (laughs) but it's because I go to the store and then forget why I went in the first place. So I have a remedy. I'm using technology to help myself. When Brenda says, honey, will you go to the store and get some milk? You know what I do? I send myself a text message on up ahead. And the text message might say something like this. You went to Safeway to get milk. <laughs> to come home with anything other than milk will result in this mission be considered a complete failure. Milk and milk only. Because I just find that having a message sort of halfway through the journey to remind me of why I went on the journey in the first place is very, very helpful. That's what today's message is. It's It's sort of a text message as we're down the road a little bit. Because we as a congregation are on an obvious journey. I mean, this journey of the facility that we're remodeling, for the ministry that we're trying to expand. And it puts us here. And we're on an obvious journey, but we're all on different journeys in our lives uh, uh, of Christ followers, aren't we? This message is like a text message to remind us of what this journey is supposed to be about. Our congregation's journey, but our individual journeys as well. Because while we may be on journeys to only God knows where... We need never be on journeys to only God knows why. There's a big difference between not quite knowing the where of it and not knowing the why of it. Because for the follower of Christ, every journey, certainly this journey that we're on as an entire congregation, but all of our journeys, have basically two concentrations, two foci. That's the why of it, remembering why we went in the first place. Lord, would you teach us? Would you instruct us? Would you work your ability to take whatever words are offered here and observations from the Bible and show us where they apply to our own lives, not only our life as a congregation, but our lives as individuals, our lives as households, our lives as students, children, wives, husbands, singles. Show us how this applies to the journey we happen to be on. Every journey to God knows where has, as one of its foci, has as a focus this. Two things today. First of all, Every journey has as its focus a people that need to be loved. People that need to be loved. A people that need the love of Christ. That's the focus of our journey, wherever our journey is. So let me help you tie this all together. So for instance, if the journey is a journey from junior high to high school, a journey into a new campus, that journey has lots of things attached to it, but one of the main things God wants to do in that journey is to use you wherever you happen to be on your journey to love people. All around you on that campus are going to be people that are strange to you, that make you feel uncomfortable, that might even be unkind to you, teachers you don't know, people all around you. Why are you on that campus? Well, for a lot of reasons, but one of the primary reasons as far as God's concerned is to love folks because folks you see, every single one of them needs to be loved. That's why you're on that journey. That's the main reason you're on that journey. A journey in a new business venture. Or you get a promotion and it launches you onto a new journey. Or you move into a new neighborhood. Secondarily, that journey is about moving into a new home. Primarily, that journey is about finding people that need to be loved by you. And you're on that journey. People are the focus of every journey. In fact, there's no such thing as a truly Christian journey that doesn't somehow seek to care for people, seek to love people. I saw a shirt today while I was, a guy wearing a shirt today while I was in having my coffee this morning. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there uh, working up my text and working up my, reminding myself of what I wanted to say today, drinking my coffee, saying hi to Krista, walk up to the front, say hi to those guys up there, walk back to get my coffee, I sit down again, and a guy walks by, and you know what it said on the back of his shirt? This is no lie, just this morning. It said, I hate people. Yeah, and it had. I said, I just really want to meet that guy, you know. It had a picture of a stick person with a circle around it and a line through it. Yeah. That's a shirt God will never wear. Because every journey we're on is about the opposite of that. Loving people. In fact... The fact that that shirt even exists makes my point, doesn't it? Every journey has as a focus a people that needs to be loved. In fact, everything God has ever done, when you think about it, reflects his concern for people. That's a primary expression. Of him. It's his exclusive motive, it almost seems, when you really get down to it. For instance, why did God wander in the garden looking for Adam and Eve? Adam, Eve, where are you? Because he longed to be around the people he created. And why did he free Israel and then provide daily bread, the manna for them, and care for them as they were wandering in the desert? Because they were his people. And what was the purpose of the journey Jesus took to earth? To rescue People and to give us a new life, a life that was abundant and full and rich, to kind of relaunch us into something that was better than what we were choosing for ourselves. And Why did he endure the shame and the pain of the cross? Why did Jesus not snap his fingers as he could have and say, okay, that's enough pain, you're not putting that spear in my side, and I'm done hanging here? Because of people. He wanted us to be free. He knew that unless He was willing to go so far as to love even those who were orchestrating His death, we would never have life. Everything God has ever done has had as its concern people, if not primarily, exclusively. Nehemiah 4, let's look at Nehemiah 4 and l- this is, Now the context here is Nehemiah has gotten permission to come back. Israel's in exile. Nehemiah has gotten permission to come back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls that have decayed, that have fallen down. And he's even gotten the funding uh, for it. And in the middle of rebuilding the walls, he begins to experience attack, opposition from his own people. We're going to actually have a message about that thing pretty soon because if you're going to be on a journey and it's a good journey, expect opposition. But We'll come back to that some other Sunday. And that's the context from which we read Nehemiah 4. He said, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. And then this is a key line, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes centered on people. When the enemies heard, they were aware of the plot that was against them, that God had frustrated it. We all returned to the wall, each to our own work. And from that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed near me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other building this wall. He said this in verse 20, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. And then listen to this, God will fight for us. God will fight for his people. You fight for your people, God will fight for his people. And so they continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I, nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me took off their clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. Remember your wives and your children. Your journey is primarily about people. And that, in this case, was the great motivator. And then at the end of that, toward the end of that text, remember that God is still fighting for his people. When we're on a journey, wherever the journey might take us, whatever the specifics of the journey might be, one thing never changes. And that is that one of the primary reasons for being on any journey is to care for people who need to be cared for, who need to be loved. Brings us to the question of the journeys we're on as individuals in life. And we have to ask that question because sometimes we go to the store for milk and come home with batteries, the journeys that we're on in life. Sometimes we think that our promotion was about uh, expanding our resume and increasing our income primarily. You can be at your desk looking around, remembering how you used to pray, and wondering how you forgot what your life was really about because it's not really about all that that's secondary that promotion is primarily about meeting a new group of people to love and care for in the name of Jesus being a good leader a compassionate and decent leader it is about people we forget sometimes why our church is on the journey we're on And we ask questions that are good because they bring us back to our focus. Why do we invest so much in children? Why are we still asking for money to finish that project and that building? Why do we do fundraisers to send students to Guatemala? Why has God taken us on this journey here to the embassy suites of all the different places we could have gone to meet? Temporary worship facility. He almost funneled us to this place. It became our only option and a last-minute option. It wasn't even anything we were thinking in the first place. There's an easy answer to all of that. It's for the people who need to know the love of Christ. We are here not because if we're outside and it rains, we'll get wet. We are here not because we need a, just because we need a room big enough for us to meet so we can play some music and hear some teaching. We are here at the Embassy Suites because there's a building full of people that need the love of Christ and they need to experience kindness and they need to experience new friendships. and They need us here and we need them here. When you start to forget why all of this sacrifice is worth it, remember the faces of those who are depending upon you and find again Purpose. There's a second focus for us here. Every journey is about a people who need to be loved, but it's also about a future that needs to be announced. Things will not always be as they are, and we are people who live in the present with our eyes fixed on the future, equally alive in both realities. Nehemiah's journey to rebuild Jerusalem's walls was about restoring a future for the people that God loved. We can't have a future if the walls are down. We're vulnerable. We can't raise our children. We can't really move forward with anything because the city has been destroyed. Anybody that could come in and take whatever they want to take. There's no future in his time in a city with no walls to protect the people. And God's plan for his people, according to Jeremiah 29 11, remember that, is to give them a hope and a what? future. So it's no surprise that Jesus spoke of a different future too, because that's always been on God's mind. Why are we on the journey we're on? Because there are people that need to be loved when we're on that journey. But there's also a future that needs to be announced, that needs to be lived. Every journey of the Christ follower, including our journey as a congregation, must somehow be about or be willing to deal with a more difficult today so that others might have a more delicious tomorrow. We're on a journey that is fixed on the future. Today's decisions have to be made in light of tomorrow's effects. And there's future all over this walk with Jesus. In Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, we'll look at a couple of text, and the teachings of Jesus. Matthew six thirty-three primarily, but look at the, the words leading up to it. Matthew six twenty-five and following. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was not dressed like these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown into a fire, will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The pagans run after those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then this text. Seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, the righteousness of God. In other words, the agenda of God for the world. And everything else will fall into place. All these things will be added to you. And the force there is this, keep seeking the kingdom of God. Keep seeking the dream God has for all of creation, for all of humanity. Keep seeking what is not yet found. It's highly futuristic, this journey that we're on. Seek for today what will be perfectly experienced tomorrow. Live into it as much as is possible. If it will be true in the future that God has for all of creation, and it can be true today in the present, then we are about on this journey announcing that future by valuing that future, by living out the values of that future. For instance, here's how this works. This is a simple illustration. If it will be true that grace is experienced perfectly in the future, then to the degree that it can be true in my life that grace is experienced today, I offer grace. If forgiveness is part of the preferred dream that God has for humanity, and one day everybody will be able to forgive perfectly, then to the degree that that's possible today, I need to forgive. One of the reasons we're on this journey is to announce a preferred future God has for humanity, for all of creation. And we announce it not only by speaking it, and we need to do that, but we announce it by representing it, by living it, by being a taste of it. Every journey we launch ourselves on today should somehow serve a better tomorrow. Then in Matthew 5, it's overwhelmingly futuristic. Listen to all the they shall or they will language. And you have, this, these are the Beatitudes, and you have in verse 3 a statement of sort of present tense, and then in verse 10 a statement of present tense, both of which speak of this agenda of God, the kingdom of God. But then between verse 3 and verse 10, you have all futuristic tenses, all future tenses, as though to say, as if to say, the kingdom of God is and it will be, and we are, Living in the is part and grasping for, reaching for, living toward the will be, the announcement of this future. For instance, listen to this. Watch this develop. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the, are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You get the sense of there's something that's going to be perfectly true in the future, and I'm longing for it now. Blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. And then a present statement again. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You have Philippians 2, where there's that statement, one day in the future, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is, is our leader. Well, if that's going to be true for everyone to say that in the future, it's a a future that our lives ought to be announcing and representing now. So that we pray every day, God, what is your agenda for me today? Who's out there for me to love today? How am I going to express The preferred dream you have for all of humanity today. How am I going to live that out? How am I going to illustrate it? How am I going to help people taste it today? On my campus, at my cubicle, in my neighborhood. Every knee will bow. Well, why not now? In Isaiah 11, listen to this. This is God's statement of the dream he has. This is his statement of what will actually be true. Most scholars would argue that this is a statement that's connected to Jesus. So the root of Jesse, the shoot of Jesse that's referred to is Messiah. But Listen to how Isaiah puts it. And then dream of this future. I mean, think about this future. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel And of might, spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. That's that hallowed be thy name stuff. Honored be your name. Not common be your name. Fear of the Lord stuff. And he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. Or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with perfection, with righteousness. He will judge the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. And righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. And then listen to this. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. And the cow will will feed with the bear, and their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, not our infant, your infant, I suppose. And the young child will put its hands into the viper's nest, and they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In the day, that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In other words, one day, all of the fractions, all of the dissension, all of the pain, all of the agony, we're going to live in a restored, rebuilt reality. Look, I, I don't know what heaven looks like. Frankly, I don't care where it is. Unless it's in Nebraska or something, then I'm not going. But. <laughs> I just care about this, what we experience today and what we will experience one day are not the same experience. The things of which we all dream, the world of peace, a world without war, a world without rancor, a world where everybody knows who the leader is and he's good and justice is actually justice. That's what I long for. And every Christian journey has as a primary focus the announcement of that future. Why are we on the journeys we're on? I don't know all the minor details. but The major ones are here. Because there's a people out there that needs to be loved. And because there's a future out there That needs to be announced. Tons of hope come with the announcement of that future. In uh, 2011, there was something that came across the wire. It caught my eye as I was reading the other day. And the headline on this thing that came across the wire went like this. Why we walk through a doorway into a room and forget why we came in Surprisingly, all comes down to walking through the doorway, U.S. psychologist suggests. (laughs) Let me read it. This is short. Passing through a doorway from one room to another can by itself cause these memory lapses. Psychology professor Gabriel Wodansky of the University of Notre Dame said, Entering or exiting through a doorway serves as an event boundary in the mind, which separates episodes of activity and files them away, he said uh, in a university release on Friday. Recalling the decisions or activity that was made in a different room is difficult because it has been compartmentalized. Where was I? (laughs) In several experiments in both real and virtual environments, subjects forgot more after walking through a doorway compared to, moving, to the, moving the same distance across a single room. Isn't that astounding? That suggests the doorway or event boundary impedes one's ability to retrieve thoughts or decisions made in a different room. That's what the psychologist said. You know what that means? It means that the minute we cross the Guatemalan border, we're inclined to forget why we went to Guatemala in the first place. And what started out the primary focus of loving people and helping people and giving them a picture of the future that God has for them that's better than the future they're experiencing now can shift to the point that all other activities for the week revolve around sightseeing and finding the best shopping spot, just like that. It means that the minute you step through the front door of your new college campus, the minute you walk through that dorm door, you, for, you can forget that your reason for, going, reason for going to college in the first place wasn't to change your image or find a spouse, but to get an education and to be used by God there in that environment. It means that each Sunday morning when you walk through those doors back, there are these doors right here, which, which, whichever ones you use it becomes far too easy to forget that we are here, not primarily because we're doing construction on our facility over there, but because our facility will help us to reach more people with the message of a radically different future. And because God is asking us to offer whatever we have to offer to the folks that work here, the folks that are here, the folks we see in the parking lot right out there. Ever go to the store for milk and come home with batteries? Ever go to the store for milk and come home with batteries and not even know you came home with the wrong thing? How quickly we forget. Why are we on these journeys to only God knows why? This message is offered in hopes that we will stop forgetting that we will always remember. It's a text message waiting for us while we're on the trail. There's a people that needs to be loved. God is obsessed with loving people. There's a future that needs to be announced, lived out, experienced now. It's a future that our world needs. Amen? Amen.